0: So, um, so as I said, uh, I was asking the Lord, what's one of the ways in which we can bless him, you know, not only as we remember him during this time, but also over the course of the next year. And um, he laid on my heart Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 49. Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 49. And I believe this is one of the best... Uh, Christmas presents that we can give to our Lord and Savior, amen? So when you get there, say amen. All right, Luke chapter 2, verses 40 through 49, and it reads, And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wish, not, wish ye not that I must be about my father's business?" So that's what the Lord placed on my heart. What is one of the best things we can give Jesus Christ as a uh, Christmas present as well as uh, a, a mindset that we have going into the new year? And he told us, he told me, that we should be about his father's business. Amen? Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you once again for the opportunity to partake of your word. We ask, Father, that it would bless us, that it would nourish us, Father. Um, Even as we're about to have a food fellowship, Lord, we ask you that your word would supernaturally nourish us even more than any natural food and sustenance can do. We praise you, Father, that even though we may eat and digest things and then it goes away, that the spiritual food that we take in will be retained, Father, and we could ingest it, um, meditate upon it, um, chew the cow, The cut of it and regurgitate it and bring it back into use anytime we need it. We praise and thank you, Father, for this. And we just give you the glory and honor, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. And you're probably saying, like, where in the world did chewing the cut of it come from? But actually, when you look at the word meditating upon the word of God, it actually talks about to chew the cut. And if you know, This isn't even planned, but um, one of the things that's unique about the cow out of all the other animals is that the cow will chew grass or hay, and it'll, it'll take it down into one stomach, then it'll regurgitate it or vomit it back up. And then it will chew on it again, and they refer to that as cud. Then it will swallow it back down again, and I, don't, I can't recall whether it goes into the first or the second stomach, but regardless, you know, they chew the food, they bring it back up, they chew it a second time to make sure they get more nutrients out of it, swallow it back down again, amen? So in other words, spiritually, each one of us, we shouldn't just eat the Word of God one time, amen? We should chew down the Word, ingest it, get nourished by it, then <laughs> Bring it back up, chew on it some more because even the greatest scholar cannot absorb all the greatness of God's word in one eating. Amen? So we should continually, we should be vomiting. We should be spiritually bulimic. I mean, that sounds weird. I mean, this this is totally weird. This is totally unplanned. But each one of us should be spiritually bulimic. We should be vomiting the word back up all the time. But instead of expelling it into the toilet we need to and flushing it, we need to bring it up and then chew it and take it back down again. So I know it sounds gross, but the fact is we should be spiritually bulimic. <laughs> that is odd. <laughs> Only me. <laughs> but that's the, that's the word. We should be bringing it up and chewing it, meditating upon it, soaking it in, taking it in. And the good thing about the word of God is that it never spoils. Amen. Whether you eat it once or a thousand times, it always has some new nutrients for your, for, your, for your body, amen? Full of antioxidants, potent, USDA, government approved, you know? Filet mignon, prime rib, it's the good stuff, amen? Restaurant quality is the word of God, amen? Praise the Lord. All right, so there's certain things that the Lord showed me in this passage of Scripture And one of the first things we see here that we can apply in our lives is it says that Jesus or the child grew. Amen? And that word grow means to enlarge yourself. Amen? Not just to mature physically where... He was in you know the state of being a a baby in the manger swaddling clothes and all that and finally he grew up to be a, a toddler and then we see him here you know he's older he's at the point where he's walking around obviously able to walk and get away from his parents and run over to the temple and engage the scholars in in question and answer sessions to the point that he amazed him but we see that the the child grew and like i said it wasn't just a physical thing but it was also emotional and most of all a spiritual thing that he grew up in so god is telling us that we need to do the same things like i said we need to enlarge ourselves um spiritually in other words don't have god in a box Amen. Don't see God one way. Don't think that you learn God one way and you got Him figured out. You should also be—I like to t- tell people I'm a, a perpetual or eternal student. Amen. Every day, I like to think that there's something new that I can learn. You know, and a lot of times, a lot of times, um, you know, as you go through various situations, you know, you try to bounce ideas off of different people. And I know, especially in terms of um, being um, professional, I'm always looking to learn new things and like. Some people, if you're in in team environment, especially professionally, where you're bouncing off ideas and somebody has a skill or talent you don't possess, the people are threatened by that and say, hey, I'm at odds with that person. Oh, he doesn't have anything he can share with me. I don't like him or this or that. I think instead that whether it's a book, interacting with a person, whatever the situation may be, you should be positioned where you're always able to learn something. So God tells us that we should be able to enlarge ourselves to mature emotionally, spiritually, and, you know, we do expand um, spiritually. But like I said, uh, we shouldn't have God inside of a box. And that's the, the mindset where, you know, okay, well, this is the way in which we're supposed to pray. And this is the only way we pray. Or this is the way we're supposed to do this. And it's one way or the highway. No, we should have some flexibility in each one of us, and we should be open that regardless of the situations and regardless of the philosophies that people have, as long as it's not contrary to the word of God, we should be open to learning and experiencing new things. You know, I've seen situations before where, oh, we only do the altar call this way. Well, who said that your way is the, the way, the truth, and the light? You know, I don't see Jesus mapping out here that altar call is only done a certain way. So we should be open that, hey, maybe you did it that way at your church, but if they do it another way to another church, you don't frown on it. Instead, be open and say, hey, well, maybe there's something that they do that can improve upon the way that I do it. Amen? And it should be the same way with every area of our lives. Amen? You know, we should be open to growth because instead of being challenged by growth, we should see that new ideas, new concepts, they basically just expand us. Amen? You know, and believe it or not, Even though you may have encountered a certain situation or, you know, may have learned a certain aspect of God, that doesn't mean that it's the only way. So by having an open mindset, you know, as you experience new things, you can say, wow, you know, I never, that never even occurred to me. Amen. The way that that was done. Or when I came across this situation, you know, I never saw things pan out quite that way. So, hmm, let me see what are the new things that I can learn from this so that going forward, you know, I've expanded my base of knowledge. Amen? So Jesus always had the mindset that he was growing not only in the the physical, but more importantly, in the emotional and, and most importantly of all, spiritual knowledge. And we see here that he got to the point where even though his parents left him, he was self-sufficient. Matter of fact, the funny thing is, um, actually Pam had a, a dream. Catch share up, Pam. Oh, about about spiritual. <laughs> about she had a, oh, she has prophetic dreams, and she had a dream about people that were spiritual babes, but yet they were self-sufficient. Even though they should, you would have thought visually that they should be picked up and carried around and nurtured and fed. They were self-sufficient. They were getting their own food and doing various things. So you know. That just shows you that in the natural, you might seem to be young, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's an indicator of where you're at spiritually. You could be, you know, 15, 20 in the natural, but in the spirit, you could be 40, 60, 70, how many years old you want to be. Because really, it's up to the individual. You know, how much you want to grow, how much you want to mature, is up to how much you're willing to serve God, to study his principles, grasp them, and then apply them in your life. So, the matter, so in the natural, you may say, hey, I'm limited. You know, I used to dream years ago, oh, I want to be 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I didn't make it. You know, I didn't do bad, but I didn't make it. So I'm limited in terms of what I could do in terms of physical growth. But I might be around 6'2", in the natural, but in the spirit, I could be 9 feet, 10 feet, as tall as I want to be as broad as I want to be. I could be just as big a Goliath as I want to be in the spiritual because there's no limitation on how much I can grow and mature in terms of God's Word. Amen? So the child grew, and like I said, it says that, actually in the underlying Greek it says that not only did he grow actively, but it says that he also grew passively. And I was thinking about it. I was like, well... You know, active is like, okay, he engaged himself in conversation with, you know, the scribes or the Pharisees or whoever was there in the temple. But I was like, how did he learn passively? And one of the things the Lord showed me is that we don't have to always be in the thick of things to grow. Sometimes you can grow and glean things through observation. Amen? Standing back and just observing the situation and say, okay, whether I'm in it for good or bad. And see, that's the thing. It's not just because you're in it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. But what I'm saying is that you can grow from experiences sometimes without actually being in the thick of it. You know, you can sometimes just sit back and say, OK, let me observe that. Let me be a student through observation, learn from that. And then when I'm in that situation, I will have learned from the things that I observe from the pre- previous situation. So Jesus grew not only actively, but he also grew passively. And we can see that in his natural body, he was very young. But in his spiritual and his emotional state, they were like, whoa, this kid's out. This kid is amazing. How can he grasp this? How can he discuss this? And it's not like this kid's sitting here trying to figure out what we're talking about. This kid is talking to us at our level. Amen? And that's not a disrespectful thing, but he was just engaging them in a mature conversation. So we could be the same way. Amen? You know, actively involved in learning, actively growing, and passively sometimes observing things so that we're still absorbing spiritual knowledge the word of god tells us in second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 study to show thyself approved of god a workman that needeth not be ashamed rightly dividing the truth and when i was looking at that passage of scripture i decided to look at some of the words in the underlying greek to see if there's more insight that that could be gained from that word that passage of scripture amen so as I looked at it, um, I first examined the word study, and you can't even see it in English, but even though it says study to show thyself approved, the word study means to make haste, to make prompt, earnest, and diligent effort to educate oneself. So God's not just saying, oh, when well, you feel like it, study to show thyselves approved. He's saying, no, you should be anxiously and aggressively running After spiritual education and spiritual maturity. Amen? You need to be chasing after, gaining more knowledge of who God is, what his nature is, how he perceives situations, and how I can take in that same knowledge so I can impact the lives of people around me. Amen? So studying is making a prompt, earnest, and diligent effort to educate yourself. The word show is also very interesting. It means to stand beside to be recommended, to be at hand, or at the ready. In other words, to be at God's disposal at any time. Amen? And the Word of God tells us, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it says that we should be ready um, in, in season and out of season. In other words, it doesn't matter whether you're having a good day or a bad day. God says you're supposed to be ready at all times to serve me, If I push the on-call button and say, hey, it's your time to get out there, amen? So here, God is telling us literally, he says, hey, I want you to study the word of God, take it in, so that you are ready to stand beside me, to be recommended by me, which means he approves of you, and it means to be ready to be dispatched at any time. So there's a certain level of trust That God has you for you and I after you've gone through the process of educating yourself that God says hey now I see that you've matured you know you're standing at my my right hand ready to go and when I see an emergency out there a crisis that nobody else can solve I can say hey go get 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 out there get out in the mix. Be the problem solver, be the healer, be the negotiator, be the deliverer, be whatever is needed in that circumstance. I want you to be on call for me that at a moment's notice, I can push the call button and say, hey, I need you out there in the highways and byways to be somebody that can represent me and do a good job. Amen? All right. So to show yourself approved is to be at God's disposal at any time. Now, speaking of the word approved... It means to be accounted, worthy, to be of reputation. And I'm sure in this case they're talking of a good, godly reputation. And it means to be sanctioned. But here's the interesting thing. To be sanctioned after you're tested. That might be the hard part. (laughs) So, as you can see here, there's a lot of insight in this passage of Scripture. God says, study earnestly study the Word of God to be at my disposal at any time, to be considered by me accountable and of a good enough reputation that I've sanctioned you after I've permitted you to be tested. And the bad part about that for us sometimes is that God says, I'm allowing the test. Amen? So this crisis comes in, and... You may be, you know, hopefully we're not murmuring, complaining, but some kind of trial or tribulation comes in our lives. As we're going through it, we're wondering, like, why in the world am I going through this? And you don't realize that up in the heavenlies, there's a divine college professor, and he's giving you an exam. <laughs> but the good thing is that after you pass the test, God says, hey, now that I've tested you, now that I've tried you, you've passed the test... I now approve of you, and I consider you of a great enough reputation that, hey, I can dispatch you and know that you're going to represent my kingdom the same way I would represent it or Jesus would represent it. Amen? In other words, we're going back to what I talked about earlier, each one of us being ambassadors of Christ, and um, ambassadors or representatives of the kingdom of God. Amen? There's a lot of people calling themselves Christians. But are you truly representing the kingdom? Amen. It's easy to praise the Lord and I love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. And do it in church. It's another thing to be out there in the streets and somebody's despitefully using you, abusing you. And despite how you feel, you say, you know what? I'm going through a test right now, but I'm going to represent myself as Jesus Christ would in this circumstance. Amen. I'm going to allow myself to die down to what I want to do. You know, and I'm allow the Spirit of God to come through and His Word to govern over me in how I think, how I perceive, how I speak, how I act, even how my body language is. I'm allow the Word of God to govern me and the Holy Spirit to put a check in me so that I only allow myself to operate you know, in alignment with the Spirit of God in this circumstance. Amen? So that's a very hard thing to do sometimes, but as we see here, this is what God wants us to do when He talks about studying to show yourselves approved of God. Now, the word workman, you know, as I'm sure you all know, a workman is a laborer. But in the underlying Greek, it's talking about a laborer who has not only enough maturity to do the job at hand, but he's he's actually grown in his skills to the point that he not only could do the job, but he could teach others. So you go to a whole nother level. You are not just see, it's one thing to be a plumber and say, hey, I've learned to trade, I'm going out house to house, I'm fixing broken pipes, you know, unclogging toilets, fixing sewer. you know, whatever things that a plumber might do. But it's quite another thing to say, okay, now I've got enough experience, enough knowledge, and here's the thing, I've dealt with enough emergencies and mishaps that I've weathered a storm I've gone to the other side. I'm still in my occupation. And now I'm going to say, hey, you want to learn to trade? Follow me. And I'm going to let you see, see me fix those broken pipes. I'm going to allow you to go to a house that, hey, we thought it was going to be an easy job. I'll take a wrench, uh, you know, loosen that bolt, take the pipes off, swap new pipes in. And all of a sudden, as you're taking the bolt off, the pipe bursts because it's, rust, it's rusty and there's just water sploating all over the place. Amen. See, you're somebody that's labored to the point that not only do you do your trade when everything is going smooth, but you also can do your trade when it hits critical mass, amen? And still keep your cool, get the job done, but also teach somebody else, hey, here's how you handle the same kind of emergencies. So you've gone in basically into a master laborer, amen? And that's what God is looking for when he's talking about a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Somebody that's going to a level of expertise at wielding the word of God and representing the spirit of Christ to the point that it says, Now I entrust you not only be accountable to be able to go out into emergency situations, but now as you go out into those emergency sit- situations, take an apprentice with you and show them the ropes. When it says not to be ashamed, it says that you are irreprehensible. In other words, God is unable to look at you and say, I need to censure you, rebuke you, or hold you accountable for misrepresenting me. Amen? You know, God doesn't need to look at you and say, hey, you know, you call yourself representing me, and I'm offended because you're making me look bad. So God has said, when you're a workman that need it not be ashamed, I can not only send you out and dispatch you to serve me as my representative, but when I do it, I can sit back calm, cool, and collected, and say, hey, that person's not going to make embarrassment out of my name and my kingdom as they go out calling themselves a servant of Christ. Because the world's seen a lot of Christians, amen? But it's seen a lot of Christians that act worse than the world, amen? So God is saying, I'm looking for a few good men and women that I can send out. And when I send them out, I don't have to say, oh, Lord, do I need to regret this? Or is that person going to really do right? See, it's easy when I send you out to, to serve me. And everybody's respecting you and treating you right, and they open the door and they give you the opportunity and they expected you, and everybody receive you. But it's quite another thing when I send you out, and everybody, all hell's breaking loose. Everybody's disrespecting you. Why are you here? I don't want to hear a word you got to say. I ain't trying to leave, hear that Christ that Jesus crap. Amen. They probably say it worse. But you still keep your cool. Don't get in your flesh and say, Who are you talking about? But Jesus, no, you were talking about my Savior. Like, No, you still stay cool and say, You know what? Well, I'm here to serve. What can I do for you? Even though they've offended your Christ that you're serving. And you still keep your cool and say, you know what? I'm still willing to serve you. And you know what? Even if I can't serve you now and you slam the door in the face, I'm at your disposal. Should you change your mind or you want to call me again. So I'll bless you and pardon. You, I'm not going to push my Christ on you. You know, I'm not going to get a words worse because you disrespect my Christ. All right, you don't receive him. You may even use his name in vain, cursing at me and tell me to get out of your face. All right? You don't want my Christ and who I serve? I'll talk to you later. But I'm praying for you. And you just walk out, and you don't escalate the warfare that's already in their life. Instead, you just walk away. You don't shake the dust off your feet. You just walk away and say, hey, I'll bless them. And then who knows? Later on, that phone might ring. You know what? I was stupid to tell you I didn't want to hear it. I'm ready to hear now. And that door is now open. So God said he's looking for people that are irreprehensible, you know? that he doesn't have to censure and say, you know what, because of the way you acted the last time, I'm not loosing you out there anymore. I'm putting you on hold. You know, I'm putting you back in boot camp because I thought you were ready to serve me, but after the way you acted the last time, I can see that you need to go back for, you know, retraining. And then finally, one of the words I looked at was dividing. We're talking about dividing the word of truth. It means correctly dissecting and expounding upon the divine message. So God says, you're able to take my word, pick it apart, not for your own ends, or to justify your attitude, your sin, or whatever. He said, no, you're picking apart apart my word because the same way a scientist or a lab technician or, you know, me and Kyle, watch CSI, amen? The same way they'll get a clue and they'll pick it apart to get all the smallest details to solve a mystery. God says, I want you to have the same sort of hunger, the same kind of drive, the same kind of interest, that you want to pick apart and dissect my word to the smallest fraction that you can know the nature and the essence of who I am so that you could be like me. Amen. I'm looking for people to have that same kind of mindset and that not only dissect it and absorb it for themselves, but now go out and expound upon it, realizing it's a divine message that is priceless for you to share to other people. So God says he's looking for people with that attitude. So to summarize it, God says we must make haste to diligently educate ourselves in the word of God so that we can correctly grasp, expound, and operate in conjunction with it to the point that God considers us worthy to be available at a moment's notice to serve him or teach others how to live in the same manner. I'll read it one more time. I know it's hard to grab. (laughs) We must make haste to diligently educate ourselves in the word of God so that we can correctly grasp, expound, and operate in conjunction with it to the point that God considers us worthy to be available at a moment's notice to serve him or teach others how to live in the same manner. Anybody that wants to write it down can get it off my notes later. (laughs) So y'all don't have to hurt yourself. (laughs) All right, so um, that was the first thing. God wants us to grow in his word. I'm about to hurry up. Um, Also, he says we need to wax strong in spirit. We see the second thing that Jesus did is that he waxed strong in spirit. In other words, he was empowered and increased in vigor as well as the vital principles or mental disposition of God. He didn't just grow up in the natural, but he allowed himself to absorb it. And then through the things that he absorbed, it empowered him and it, it, it gave him vigor you know, rejuvenated him to go out and do the things that God had called him to do. So God wants us to have that same kind of mindset, that we're allowing the word to empower us, to increase us in our energy level as we go out to serve him, that we not only do it, but we do it according to his principles, and we have the same kind of mindset or mental disposition that he has at all times. And that's not to say that we're perfect and we've arrived today, but God is saying that he wants us to have the mindset that we're at least pursuing it. Amen that we have an energy about trying to pursue it. You know, he tells us in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? And he tells us to endure hardness as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. You know, there's going to be a times where we're going to deal with adversity. We just... Uh, watched the movie Avatar yesterday, and one of the things you saw is that, you know, there was a time of adversity in the film where, you know, the guys in the, in the, in the, in the Avatars were collapsing and going through trials and tribulations. And, you know, needless to say, you know, they saw that there was injustice going on, so they positioned themselves so they could get back into the fight. Amen. They didn't just lay down and say the party's over, we give up, we'll just yield, we'll submit to the authority of the person that in charge even though he's ungodly and doing this horrible thing they said no we're not going to just sit back and deal with this no we're going to rise up from the ashes of our defeat get ourselves back into that battlefield and do the impossible matter of fact there's this this creature that nobody could ride And the hero of the story said, you know what? If that's what it takes to turn the situation around, I'm going to do the impossible. So they they blacked out that part of the movie, but I could see that the guy probably just dove off the cliff on the back of this thing. This thing probably did everything in his power to dislodge him. He's like, I'm not letting go. And the next thing you know, he's riding in on this thing, ready to lead lead everybody into battle. Amen? So he allowed the circumstances, instead of to defeat him, he allowed the circumstances to fire him up and say, you know what? I'm not going to sit back and take this mess. Amen? And God wants us to be the same way, to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, but remain on the battlefield. And even if you get off the battlefield for a second, lick your wounds, dust yourself off, get back up, and get back into the fray. Amen? Because God will empower you. He tells us in Ephesians 6, you know, put on our whole armor. So don't put on a partial armor of God. Put on a full armor of God that in all things you're empowered, you're, in, you're strengthened. You know, you're wrapped with a spiritual force field that enables you to endure things and remain out there on God's battlefield. And finally, he talks about um, being, actually it wasn't finally, he says, it talks about being filled with wisdom. And that word filled it, with wisdom in there, I like that. It means to be crammed. It reminds me, you ever go to an ice cream parlor, and, you know, when you go there, they they have the cone, and they could just, like, pull the lever on the machine, or they could take this scoop and put it in. But if you ever notice, if you go to a good ice cream parlor, they don't just put it in there. They cram, they pack the ice cream in there. They cram it in there, and then after they've crammed the cone, then they put the scoops on top. So God says it's the same thing with you and I. I don't want to just fill you at a superficial level with my knowledge. I don't just want to put my word into your brain cells. No, I want to cram you with it. Amen? Pack it in hard, tight. No room for anything else to get in there. No cancerous thoughts. No defeated attitude. None of that negativity. I want to cram you every orifice, every angle, every molecule you're being to be crammed with the spirit of God, the word and the knowledge of, of, of who he is and who he's called you to be. God says, I want you to be crammed to the brink with it. And that's what it means. Another thing it means, too, and the boys are like this, it means to be leveled up. And I like that because, see, the adults don't get it. None of the, none, especially the women adults just don't get it. Like, I don't know, what are you talking about? But if you ask any of the kids that play video games, they'll tell you that there's different games that you play that as you go through different obstacles, you finally get to a point that after you've endured a battle and you've defeated opponents, you finally get to a point where you get bonus points or you get leveled up. And when you get leveled up, you get additional power. You get additional power, you get additional weapons, you get additional skills and powers at your disposal Why? Because you've already weathered the opposition of previous battles. But see, here's the thing. When you get leveled up in the video game, you don't get leveled up so you can just sit back idle and say, hey, I've survived, everything's cool. No. When you get leveled up, you get more powers, you get more skills, you get more tools and all that, but you also get more opponents. (laughs) So you get leveled up because there's greater battles on the horizon, so God, and I didn't make this up. The word of God in the Greek says leveled up. So God knows about video games. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so so the, word, the word filled means to be crammed, to be leveled up. It means to be fully furnished, to be filled to the brink. So the word of God should be coming out of your ears, coming out of your nose, coming out of your mouth. Coming out of your eye sockets. The word of God should be just flowing out everywhere. You should be dripping the word of God everywhere you go. And the thing is, if you're dripping the word of God as you're going, maybe you shake your hair, some of it falls off of somebody else is near you. Amen. And a lot of times they need it too. <laughs> Amen. So filled up to the brink. And like I said, the power isn't granted you to remain idle, it's given to you so you can deal with additional and greater challenges. In the future, so the leveling up process is anticipation of future battles, future victories, but also future v- battles. And now, wisdom—it talks about to be filled with what? Be filled with wisdom. See, wisdom—it talks about worldly and spiritual understanding. And see, that's a lot of times people think, "Oh, well, I don't, I don't care what mankind think. Well, why not? Man's got a lot of knowledge that God has given them over the centuries." Ain't nothing wrong with man's knowledge. Only problem with man's knowledge is when it refutes the word of God. But if the knowledge is sound and doesn't contradict the word of God, why not use it? So God tells us we need to be filled with wisdom, worldly, and most of all, spiritual wisdom. So we can deal with situations because the purpose of wisdom is to take in knowledge, but then to know how to apply it. So we're not just absorbing things. See, there, time, I remember one time years ago, Pam and I bought a car, and there was a guy that said that he used to go out on the, um, on the ministry circuit. They used to do, I think it was tent revivals or something like that. And he had some woman, I can't remember if she was a girlfriend, long-time girlfriend or a fiancé, but basically she broke up with him and broke his heart. And he said ever since then, he don't have nothing to do with God. And here's the thing. He said, I have a photographic mind. He said, I could quote that Bible to you, backward or forward, but I won't live it. So he's got head knowledge of the word of God, but he says, I refuse to use it. So what good is knowledge if it's not applied? And that's why I said God wants us to have wisdom. Take in my knowledge, but then know how to grasp it and use it where it's applicable. Amen. Alright, and we see that in the life of Stephen Full of faith and wisdom He had people opposing him But in Acts chapter 6 verse 10 It says, they were not able to resist The wisdom and the spirit By which he spake So that's how God wants to arm us To the teeth with his supernatural knowledge That we're able to handle every situation Now his parents Had asked, how is it, how is it That you, you, know, you hear When we were looking for you And he was like, well, why are you shaking me? You know, I think what Jesus is really saying there is, like, if you really know my character, my nature, and what drives me as your child, you shouldn't be wondering where I am. You should know that whether I'm in front of you or you don't have a clue where I'm physically at, you know that wherever I'm at, I'm about the kingdom business. Amen? So it's the same thing with you and I. We may not know where each one of us is at any given moment, but wherever it is, and I say that a lot of times. You know, they're like, where's Pam right now? Oh, 30,000 feet, ministering to somebody. You know, 30,000 feet? Is she over Texas? Pennsylvania? I don't know. But wherever she is, kingdom business. See, I know she's on kingdom business. So I don't know literally where, what coordinates she's mapped at, you know, on a sacred satellite. But I know that wherever she is, whether it's on land or up in the heavenlies, you know the, the earthly heavenlies that's about God's business it should be the same way with you and I I don't know where brother Julian is right now but he's about God's business you know and the same with each one of us amen so in saying that um that's pretty much what the Lord placed on my heart and he tells us in John chapter 5 too that he could do nothing in and of himself he said "Well, I see my father doing I do Well, I see my father speaking I speak and he wants us to be the same way be about God's business, amen? So I'm about to close so we can get into our food fellowship, amen? Um, but one of the things he showed me about on a personal level is that we should all, in the new year, be really seeking to just grow more fervently, as we've seen here. You know, to be a, a student of the Word, to chew the cut, as I talked about earlier, to be more diligent to study and grasp and apply the Word of God. And, you know, looking for opportunities, instead of saying, oh, well, that might inconvenience me. No, we should be anxious To get out there on the battlefield to impact lives for Jesus Christ why should we be sitting there saying okay I'll wait first to see if somebody else helps them okay well nobody else did so I'll finally step in no be first in line see that's the only place spiritually where Christians should be first in line helping somebody out that's in need you should be practically knocking people out of your way to say I'm going to bless that individual in need amen that's the only place where really a Christian should really be selfish, which, you know, of course it really isn't selfish. But having that kind of hunger that if I see a need, i got to go help. Amen? And I'm not telling you to be used and abused and be a doormat and have people, you know, taking advantage of you. But I'm saying, like, where there's a genuine need out there, if you're able to do it, we should be anxious to say, hey, what can I do to bless somebody? Because I'm trying to represent Jesus Christ today. And, wow, it looks like a door open. I'm jumping through that door as soon as I can because who knows? It might close. So I'm going to jump through that door as quick as I can. Amen? Um, emulating Jesus in our lives as much as possible. And like I said, being aggressive and meeting needs. And in terms of us as a, a ministry, you know, um, just going to the next, um, into the next month, you know, Pam and I always said like, we're just praying. And I'm truly praying for a, a family environment to continue to have this kind of atmosphere where everybody feels it, comes in. I truly feel it. everybody walks in, feels like they're part of the family. And that's the one thing I absolutely refuse to not remain you know, Jesus is Lord, the word of God is true cover to cover, everybody, best treat everybody like family, you know, I ain't really picky outside of that, I will get my hands dirty, you know, Pam get her hands dirty, but in terms of that, family atmosphere, I mean, that's it, that's at the top underneath Jesus, the word, you know, family environment, and, um, you know, doing things, just, you know, inviting more people out, not worry about numbers, but worrying about quality, you know, the people come, be, be ready to grow, and take on the same kind of nature and the same kind of mindset that we have. We're looking for duplication of like-minded people that really want to serve God faithfully. Final verse I'm going to read, John 14:12. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So that's what God wants us to do. He said, Greater works shall ye do. Not because we're greater than Jesus Christ, but because our numbers should enable us to get out there and touch a lot of areas, you know. And He's given us all the tools that we need to do it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. All right. Um, Let's pray for the food. And um, let's let. uh, get i guess get everything open up and position right and then the kids can can start going up all right so i'm gonna pray for the food real quick though amen heavenly father in the precious name of jesus we praise and thank you father for um, the time of partaking of your word and right now father we just give you the glory and honor that you would just um uh, just meet our needs allow us to ingest your word and retain it father even as we said to bring it back up Meditate upon it again and really ingest it into our spiritual systems, Lord. And we praise you, Lord, that we would be people of impact about your business throughout. Um, next year lord that we could truly represent you everywhere we go and we just praise you thank you father for the, the anointing to the break yokes to cast out demons to heal the sick father every tool every resource that we need spiritually that you would enable us to do it and even as we sing lord as opportunities will present themselves lord show us how to walk through those doors lord and to touch people on your behalf and let them see you instead of us in every situation and right now father as we um, partake Prepare to partake of the food. Lord, we ask you to bless it to our bodies. Nourish us, Lord. Even more importantly, Lord, let's have a great time of fellowship, getting to know each other and um, truly grow as a, as a family, Lord. And we praise you as well, Lord, as we um, realize there's a funeral coming up from a going-home service for Sister Danya as well, Lord, that you would bless her family right now. And we thank you and give you the glory and honor, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.